Welcome to Life Transformation Radio. This show is all about life transformations and our journey from where we were to why we are doing what we are doing today. We will discuss the hiccups, the roller coasters, and the blood, sweat, and tears that has been poured out while discovering our purpose. It is all about our transformation. Here is your host, Sean Douglas. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to another episode of Life Transformation Radio. I'm your host, Master Resilience Implementer, TEDx Speaker, Business Positioning Strategist, and International Best-Selling Author, Sean Douglas. Life Transformation Radio is heard in over 90 countries. So whether it's your first time joining us or you've been listening to us for some time, I want to thank you to those who are listening from around the world. Life Transformation Radio is all about our transformation. Here, we tell the stories of why we're doing what we're doing, highlighting that transformational moment that changed our lives and how we use it to then transform others and elevate their lives as well. You can listen to us live right here on the Blog Talk Radio Network, Tuesday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Just go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash life transformation radio and join us live on the show. You can also join our Facebook group, search Life Transformation Radio Community on Facebook, and never miss an episode by subscribing to your favorite podcast platform. Life Transformation Radio is currently heard on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spreaker, Spotify, TuneIn, Player FM, Radio Public, Overcast, CastBox, Himalaya, Google Podcasts, Pandora, and a whole host of other platforms. You can also listen to us on YouTube. Go to YouTube and search Life Transformation on the show. My guests are entrepreneurs, speakers, business owners, coaches, podcasters, authors, amazing people who are impacting everyone around them. And my guest today does exactly that. If you have any questions for any of the guests that I bring on the show during our live broadcast, Tuesday through Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern Time, go ahead and give us a call at 657-383-1109. Again, the number is 657-383-1109. And with that, please welcome to the show my amazing guest for today, Judith Fiend. Judith, welcome to Life Transformation Radio. Hi, Sean. Happy to be here. <laughs> I'm super excited to have you on the show. I have read a lot about you. It was great to meet you at a recent event, an uh, online event. And I was just so intrigued with your story and how you elevate the world. And, you, you know, you told me a, a transformational story that I thought was absolutely compelling and you know, we all go through a lot of transformational moments, but it was so refreshing to meet you and to experience the energy that you just bring to, to every stage. Well, thank you. Wow, you made my day in Santa Fe, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. The title of this episode is The Transformative Magic of Travel with author Judith Feem. She was born under a creative star. She's an award-winning international travel and culture journalist, author, speaker, playwright, screenwriter, movie and theater critic, opera libertist, theater director, blogger about transformative travel for psychology today. Her books are Life is a Trip, The Transformative Magic of Travel, 
The Spoon from Minkowitz, A Bittersweet Roots Journey Through Ancestral Lands, and How to Communicate with the Dead and How Cultures Do It Around the World. She has trained private businesses, actors, government employees, tourism professionals, media, and others to find and express their innate creativity and have less stress and more joy from work. Her website, LinkedIn, and Facebook links are right there in the show notes. You can click on those, go to her LinkedIn and Facebook, send her a friend request, letting her know that you listened to this episode of Life Transformation Radio. Judith, the first you said, you said everything about you. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say you've covered everything in life. Now we can just laugh (laughs) and have a good time. (laughs) You just about did it. Okay, I'm all I'm all ears. Love it. So, so the first question that I have to ask, and I believe is the most important question you could ever ask yourself, is why. So, why do you do what you do? You know, you get up in the morning. You either get out of bed with your left foot or your right foot first. And then if you stop for one second and you say, what am I doing? Am am I just consuming air on this planet? Is that what I'm doing, using up oxygen? What am I doing in life? And I ask myself that question all the time, and it has completely changed my life. My life is an adventure. Your life is an adventure. And everything I do, everything I write about and talk about is how you flip your head around. So you start seeing your life as the adventure it is, and it has meaning. It doesn't have to have meaning to anybody else on the planet, but it must have meaning to me. Yours must have meaning to you. Otherwise, I'm telling you, I just think we're oxygen suckers. That's it. (laughs) I've heard that a couple times. You know, people are, what do they call it? They're human being, not human doing. So if you wrap that mindset that says instead of just human existing, instead of human being, just being in a space, and you actually human do, or you become a human doing, that it's more of a transformative, more of an inspirational thought that says, yeah, I'm actually yeah. doing something instead of just existing. Just existing. But, you know, also I was thinking about this. Everybody is concerned about carbon footprint. So I'm thinking, what is your human uh, footprint? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. <clears throat> Excuse me, Sean. I'm thinking, what's your human footprint? How does somebody feel after any interaction with you, whether it's online whether you're at a gas station, it doesn't matter. What footprint are you leaving behind all the time? And these are the kind of things that concern me. And here you are in your life. Everybody's feeling strangulated in one way or another right now. But what if all of that isn't true? What if you're not? What if you're as free now as you were before the pandemic started? So that's my starting point. And the why is always, given the situation that you find yourself in, not the situation you'd like to be in or you were in six months ago. What do you do to extract meaning and purpose from your life? How do you do it? And it's really very easy if you're willing to just flip your thoughts around. Oh, absolutely. I firmly believe, firmly, I I 100% believe that the government doesn't control you, your mom doesn't control you, not Donald Trump, 
not the Russians, not China. Like you are in full control of your life. Yes, there's government regulations. Yes, there's a pandemic. Yes, we get it. You can't really fly. Oh, you can definitely fly, but are you willing to take the risk? Are you willing, are you willing to, to just to, say yeah. You know, Sean, everybody who are. knows me. Everybody who knows me and my husband has been contacting us and saying, you must be so miserable. You're international travel journalist. Your wings are clipped. You can't go anywhere. I think it's irresponsible to promote travel right now, by the way. But anyway, and everybody we know is contacting us from around the world. And the answer is we are traveling. So we decided, okay, here's what we're going to do. We ordered this really inexpensive fold-up picnic table, right? It weighs four pounds, Mm -hmm. comes in a case. We make a fabulous picnic. <clears throat> we, put, we take a regional map. We put our finger on some place we don't know or we think has nothing of interest or maybe we were there 10 years ago. It doesn't matter any place, but it has to be with maximum two hours from where you live. Okay? So we have our own food, we have our picnic table, and we set off. We do no research, nothing. We don't look into anything, what is there, what is there to do, what isn't there to do, and we go. And we always find a beautiful spot. We unfurl our picnic table, and we have a great picnic, and then we start exploring. It has been such exciting travel, and it's all done in a day. You know, it's a day's trip, and then we come back to our hotel, which is our house. Our house becomes our hotel. We've had no contact with anyone. It's completely safe, and we're traveling. You cannot believe the things that we're finding and the places. And we've lived here more than 20 years. We didn't know about any of them. So wherever you are, you can always expand your reality rather than focusing on the contraction of your reality. You know, I, I try to look at everything from a positive standpoint, always. Every transformational moment that we go through, and I'm about to go through a huge transformational moment, retiring from the military and then oh, becoming boy. a civilian next year. So it's going to be a transformation. But I look at it as what's great about this. Every single situation that I go into, my first thought is always what's great about this. And it's taken me three years to really, to really think this way. And as I'm reading all this stuff about, you know, asymptomatic and this pandemic and this virus and this election, I'm like, it's so inundated with negativity. And I just say, what's great about this? Well, what's great about 2020 is that the nuclear family has been reignited. We're not going out to restaurants so much, so we're forced to home cook. That's something great. We're forced to home cook now, which means we're forced to eat dinner as a family. But what was bad about that was domestic violence rates rose, suicide rates rose. But why? So, again, I asked, what's great about this? Well, what's great about this is we brought attention to the fact that we have a suicide pandemic We have brought attention to the fact that we have a break in psychology, in people's psyche. Like, they can't – and and you nailed it. People ask you, oh, my gosh, your wings are clipped. What do you must be thinking? Uh, We're still traveling. We're just driving an hour or two away to go explore a hill or a mountain or a park or, you know, whatever. But that's what my kids did. My kids, you know, were like, well, what are we going to do? Well, let's go to the park. Let's go to the, and we're doing things yeah. outside instead of going to a bowling alley, going to yes, a movie. Yes. So most people are sitting in the house watching Netflix. 
So you could watch documentaries about places that you want to travel to. There's great ways to do things, but you always have to ask yourself what's great about this. I think, personally, we reconnected during the lockdown. Okay, that, all right, that's a really great, uh, a really great way to look at that. Can I tell you an experience, a transformative experience I had that had to do it. with military? Are you are you open for Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Well, Okay. Well, I wrote a book called Life is a Trip, The Transformative Magic of Travel. And each chapter is, there are 14 chapters. Each one is about a cultural experience with some other culture that changed my way of thinking about life. And one of them is about Vietnam. And I went to Vietnam before American tourists were really going there. And I was very nervous because I grew up I, you know, in my lifetime, there was the, the Vietnam War, and I was afraid that going to Vietnam was going to be a really painful experience because we did tremendous damage in that country, and they're still mm-hmm. living with, you know, horrible effects and birth deformities. It's pretty much a nightmare. But since I like adventure, I decided to request a guide who had been a member of the Viet Cong. The Viet Cong was the enemy of the American soldier, of the American Air Force, of the American everybody. The Viet Cong was the, was the feared enemy. And I asked to be given a guide who had served in, in the Viet Cong. And I just like going to the edges of things to see what it's like. Well, the guys, <laughs> what's at the edge? I know what's in the mainstream, and it's pretty boring a lot of the time. So let, let's see what's in the margins. I want to oh, yeah. meet someone who is the combat enemy. So the guy shows up. His name is Kong. Can you believe Kong from the Viet Cong? And what's he interested right. in? He, lo- he loves the Beatles. He loves rock and roll. I'm like, what is this about? And he introduces me. He introduced us. We, took, we went to the house of his captain. He was the captain in the, his captain in the Viet Cong. And the guy made us lunch. And he was, here was, you know, a communist country. He was entrepreneurial, he's making packaging, and he also produces art paper, paper that is used for art projects. What is this about? So I did what you would probably do. You're a great interviewer. I started asking them, how do you feel about us? How do you feel? I'm an American. How do you feel about us? The answers were absolutely transformative. They all had to do with forgiveness. Wow. and I don't know about you, Sean, but forgiveness is a biggie for me because when someone mm-hmm. has done something terrible, I mean, think about your childhood. When someone has done something really egregious, how do you let go? Well, here's a country that has to deal with the idea of forgiveness of a country that came in and basically did horrifying destruction. So I started mm-hmm. asking the Viet Cong, and what they said was that they came to realize that the American military, let's say a soldier, was no different from them whatsoever. They didn't start the war. It wasn't their problem. And they wanted to probably be playing the guitar and listening to Beatles just like they did, but none of them Mm -hmm. could. And that they didn't come there because it was their initiative. And this understanding, so that was one answer I got from Viet Cong guys, they understood that we're not the enemy, that the soldiers were being sent by somebody else the same way they were. It wasn't their war. It wasn't the soldiers' particular war. That was one thing. And another, and then another right. thing was 
just about that they made decisions. Now, listen to who this is coming from. This is coming from people who were living in the Coochie Tunnels, like rats. They couldn't get out. They had no air, no food. It was a nightmare. And one Mm -hmm. of the things is that they said, several of them said to me, that they came to a place where they understood that to get to be stuck in the past is the death of your life. So they decide, yes, occasionally, they still talk about the past. They talk about what happened in Danang, or they talk about what happened in Hanoi, you know, whatever. But that they focus on the present of their lives and the future, and that they consider the past to be something that will eat them alive, and they, they choose not to go there, and so they're able to forgive. And the answers that I got from different people were so moving to me about, wow, if you can forgive somebody who's killed family members, they were telling me that American soldiers come back there and they fall in love with these soldiers, that they want to go to the places where maybe they, they killed people. You know, that was part of their mission. Right. And, and they end up hugging and crying together. And I thought, wow, what I am learning here about forgiveness, I hung on every word, Sean, as though my life depended on it. And my life did depend on it. This whole idea about what was done to you and what do you do to transform that so that you can forgive? You don't forget, but you can forgive. And these were people. This was not theoretical. This was part of their lives. And Is the that one what? Inter- this was just, this was their lives. This wasn't a theoretical thing. This is what they were living, mm-hmm. how they made peace with what they were living. So one day, we went, Kong took us. We were with him for a month. Right. He took us to the Coochie Tunnels. And I told you, these are the tunnels that the Viet Cong, they lived in for weeks, sometimes months at a time, with no air. There were rats there. We went into the tunnels. Do you know they've enlarged the tunnels so Americans can visit them because mm-hmm. Americans are so much bigger, bulkier, heavier than Vietnam. Vietnamese were very, very thin and small. And it was the one place that right. Kong would not, he would not go in with us. He said, this is the only place in my country I cannot visit with you. And, you know, we felt horrible. He said, I lived in these tunnels for two months. I wanted to die. He said it was so horrifying, but I had a bayonet at my back. I couldn't leave. And he wow. said, I, I just don't want to go back into horrible memories. I want to enjoy my time with you and forgive that we're all in this human boat together. So that, I thought that would interest you about one of the lessons I learned, you know, that I wrote about, because each of these lessons taught me something that I could not have gotten anywhere else and changed my way of living. So he wouldn't go into these tunnels because he had already lived there for two months during the war. Yeah, he told me a story. You'll probably love this, Sean. <laughs> he said that he was, they were starving to death. There was absolutely nothing to eat. And he said the bombs were going off overhead, but he was so hungry that he figured, okay, there's a lull in the bombing. And he runs out, there's a pond, and there are fish in the pond. And he goes in with his bare hands, he catches two fish, and then all of a sudden they're strafing. There are bombs coming down, and he knows the pattern. He knows if he can hold his breath underwater for 30 seconds, he will 
he will not he will be able to survive. So he goes underwater. They won't be able to see him. Goes underwater for 30 seconds, holds his breath. He knows the patterns of the American bombing, and he comes up. And his comrades in the Viet Cong, they're standing there laughing at him. He came out, hold still grabbing the two fish. That's how hungry he was, and brought them back in the coochie tuttle. And they just ate the fish like sushi. And so those memories, he said wow. they were. So you know. It's so interesting to listen to the other hard, side. That's hard. How do you feel? Yeah, how do you feel hearing well, that? Well, that's tough. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, I mean, he's. I I mean, I didn't really get into like what started the Vietnam War. I know yes. that it was a war that the United States was not popular about getting into yeah. much like world war two. Uh, the only reason we got into world war two is because we were, we were attacked by Japan yes. and then we had to kind of get in much the same. Uh, we kind of have interests around the, around the world. And when, when those interests are compromised, we kind of have to step forward or when there are human, human rights violations and some other things, the United States typically gets involved, but we never really, get involved unless there's an absolute reason. I, I don't know of, uh, of any, I mean, besides when I was in, two, in Iraq in 2003 and, you know, you can debate all day about why we got into that one, but typically uh, it's, we're more of a response than a, that like a bully or an initiator. Like we don't just go and like take over countries. We just don't go and just bomb countries for no reason, you know, um, being in the military, I just have that standpoint, you know, of, of what I've seen, what I've experienced, and we're just not sitting back going, who are we going to bomb today? Right. But, well, but you know, I will say uh, but, that, that, but it brings me, it brings meaning to your military experience. It does. It gives, yeah. it gives meaning. It gives you, it yeah. gives you context. And, you know, it's interesting. One of the things, one of the very controversial things, and then we really don't need to talk about the causes of war because, I'd rather talk about the things that well, uh, empower yeah. your than empower your life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I yeah. really. Well, uh, I, 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 but I think it's interesting. I mean, you bring up a good point about forgiveness. And recently, you know, nine eleven. Like, do we forgive what happened during that time? Uh, Two thousand three. Do we forgive what happened with you know American soldiers going into Iraq and Afghanistan? I mean, I've been to both places. It's not yes. fun. So do we, do we, do we forgive, you know, because if we look at it from the other side, you know, those Middle Eastern countries hate America. Some Americans hate Middle Eastern countries. And, you know, when do we forgive? When, when do we essentially have peace on earth and no wars and no uh, um, hatred or bombings or, you know, whatever. So I, I, I think you, I think that's a great question to ask. I think, um, the story that you tell and, and them going ahead and forgiving says a lot about somebody. I think it's the hardest act that somebody very, can take is to forgive yes. when you've been wrong. You know, yeah, very, very. I, it's an enormously difficult thing to do. There was a man in Hanoi, and it was late at night, and he was in a park. And luckily, uh, Kong could translate for, for me and for my husband. And this man was was in the park and he saw he heard that we were Americans and he wanted to talk to us and he told us 
that it took him years. He said he was so enraged. He hated every emblem American, everything that he would see, everything. He said, and now he loves American products. He loves American people. And he said it took him years for him to get to the point where he could forgive because his family had suffered so horribly. It's, you know what, people travel and it's a commodity. It's another a commodity. You acquire a, a reservation in the best restaurant you want to eat in, and you go and you see all the sites. Sean, I have a very different feeling about why you travel. You travel to be changed, period. And if you don't eat in the best restaurants and the hotel you stay in is a disappointment, it doesn't matter. You go to be changed, that you leave. It's expensive to travel. It's a commitment to travel. And instead of going and relying on other people's opinions, you know, going on the Internet and what do people say about this and what's the best that, go with your own – be Marco Polo. Even if it's the next town to where you live, go yeah, with yeah. an open mind. What is this place? Yeah. Don't go with preformed comp- uh, opinions made by other people. Just go someplace and, right. and experience it. And um, it's really changed the way I travel, the way I talk about travel. You know, I, I could get here. Here's another example. I'm just pulling out of thin air because I see that I'm standing next mm-hmm. to the cover of my book. Okay, we were in Nova Scotia. And in Nova Scotia, there was a terrible thing that happened in the 18th century. The British had come there as farmers. And um, the, I'm sorry, I said the British. The French had come there as farmers, and they were poor. And they came to the rich land in Nova Scotia, and they worked it into agriculture. And they had water channels and irrigation. They were very, very enterprising. And the British came in, and there was basically a holocaust. There was it was a nightmare. They separated all the men from the families. They separated the women from the men, the children from their parents, and they sent them off in ships. And 50% of them died at sea. And that's where the Cajuns come wow. from. These, these people were called the Acadians, and you know that upbeat music and dancing, the Cajuns, right? So we went to the place where they were shipped out. And there was a cemetery. We just wanted to see historically, what is it? And I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be such a heavy place. So we get there. And one man is at the cemetery proposing to his girlfriend, asking her to marry him. Another young couple is there with the baby. They're bringing the baby to the cemetery. And I was like, what is this about? A bride showed up in a wedding dress at the cemetery where there had been really – it was a holocaust. It was a nightmare. So yeah. we were with, we were with um, six or seven other journalists, and they were all going to the next site. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stay here for the rest of the day. I'll meet you back in the hotel at night. Just tell me how to get there, and I'll get there. And I spent the day asking people, why are you going to a cemetery? where it was the biggest nightmare for your culture. Why do you come here to propose marriage, bring your baby? And they said, because life is difficult. And the people who survived, it's a testimony to survival. So we come to celebrate the endurance of our people, not the ones who died. It was a terrible tragedy. But look, we bring a baby here. Hey, kid, your life is going to have a lot of challenges. But look, these people did it. Our culture is still here. We can do it. So they go to celebrate survival. What do you think of that idea? 
That is uh, mind-blowing because you would think that it would be a place of hurt and pain and catastrophe, but they're celebrating it. They're celebrating it, Sean. They're they're celebrating a wedding dress. You don't go to the funeral in your bridal gown, but they. And I thought, and when you think, you know, you know Cajun uh, culture. I'm sure you know Cajun music and Cajun dancing. It's so upbeat, right? I mean, it's so. That's and that's the culture that has emerged from this mentality. This celebration of life. It's a celebration of life rather than a focusing on the horribleness of death and loss and tragedy and, you know, these things, I experience them and I, I just sit there and I just think, oh my God, my life has just changed again. Wow. Yeah, I can't, I can't imagine that. Uh, uh, it would take me a while to accept it, which I think is the problem that most people have is, acceptance and i'm fairly certain without actually looking this up that the last step in the grief process is acceptance i'm, oh, I'm very fairly certain so i i think it is that i you know, think acceptance through, is yeah because yeah, we go through denial we go through anger we go through all these different emotions but i think acceptance is the last step but what I like to work on is accepting things first. Cause I feel like if you accept them, then it's already settled in because there's two things in life. You cannot get mad at things that you can change and things that you can't change. If you cannot yeah. change it, then you have to accept it. Move on. You just can't, you just can't change it. That's why they say like but, the only two things in okay. con- life that are constant are death and taxes. So only two things in life <laughs> that are constant, right? Death and taxes. It's like the running joke forever. But we're not going to change it. We can't change it. So you just move on and accept it. Yep, that's part of life, you know. And the moment that we start accepting what we can't change, it starts giving us our power back. It starts, it starts increasing our happiness. That's what I feel. But, you know, I, right now it's a very difficult time in American culture, of course, because there's so much partisanship. Everybody's divided. Yeah. People unfriend somebody because they belong to a different political party. You know, it's really sure. – this, this is one of the things that becoming curious, cultivating your curiosity about other cultures can do for you. It gives you another way of looking at things. And how do you cultivate curiosity? So let's say that you're walking in the street and you see somebody wearing a turban. So immediately there are going to be cliches in your mind about, oh, who wears a turban? Where do they come from? What are they doing? Yep. But what if yep. you just say, say to the person, may I ask you why you wear a turban? And maybe the person mm-hmm. is a Sikh, is a Sikh, for example. People love talking about themselves, their culture, their group, their heritage, mm-hmm. where they come from. But no one asks them. Everybody makes assumptions. So what if you just say, um, hi, it's so interesting you wear a turban. Can you tell me about it? Then you will learn not only why the person wears a turban, which is interesting to begin with, but also you'll start learning another way of looking at life, especially your own life. And, you know, or maybe right. you 
so it's like that all the time, that somebody who is different from you, whether it's because they're from a different culture or because they're a different color or because they're a different age or whatever it is, once you start permitting yourself to be curious, just ask questions. You know, it's part of our culture. People are afraid to ask questions. They don't want to impose I've been traveling as a journalist for 20 years. Right. I have never, I've never shown, I have never met one person who resented being asked questions, unless it, it was some kind of offensive question someone asked. People love to, well, yeah. they, they love to be engaged that way. So there's a tiny little thing that you can do. When you were in Iraq or in Afghanistan, did you get, get to meet any local people? Uh, here and there, here and there. I, we weren't really there for like that stuff. You know what I mean? Well, I believe that's the way to peace. Actually, I, 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 I you're probably going to laugh because I know you had, you were in hell. But if people meet people <laughs> who, even if they're supposed to be the enemy country, whatever it is, if they meet each other. You don't want to kill somebody when when you after you've talked to them after you've had an exchange with them. I really think that the power everybody you included every listener to to, to your um, podcast everybody has the opportunity to be an ambassador. You go and you represent the best of your country, which means you're interested. Hi, how you doing? Talking to other people, it it, it calms people down. It's a way of bringing peace as opposed to categorizing, separating, and only staying with people who are like you. That's my feeling. Right. And yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's true. That's a good way of looking at it. So how would you say that you elevate the world around you? You have a few different books. You're a speaker. I believe you've spoken on the TEDx stage as well. Yes, yes. That was amazing. I love I loved the TEDx experience. Best best speaking experience I I could have hoped for. Yeah, yeah, and it was it's really wonderful. Yeah, definitely yeah. a dream come true. But what would you say is the way that you elevate the world around you? Because I gotta think that travel from a different perspective, like as in psychology or mindset, has got to be pretty elevating. Okay, so I'm going to flip around the question you're asking me. How do I elevate the world around me? I think the world around me elevates me. That's, uh, that's, I, that's how I would come at that, at that question. For example, I wrote a book called How to Communicate with the Dead and How Cultures Do It Around the World. If you right. say the word dead, most people, oh, ah, you know, it's going to kill me to even hear the word. But for 20 years... In other countries, I learned that to them, death is not the end. It's a normal thing. It's not a big woo-woo deal. It's not some mystical thing. They just believe that death is not the end. And when they lose someone, they keep the channel of communication open. It elevated me. It pulled me out of this binary world where there's life and there's death. Well, what if there's not? What if there's a continuity? Of course, the body is gone. But what if there's a continuity? Every time... I encounter people who are not like me. I am elevated by them. And it could be a tiny little thing. It could be about the way they prepare food. It could be just about the way they think about um, their children. Anything. 
I feel elevated all the time, and I don't have to be on the road. I could be at home. I could be connecting with someone on social media. I could be talking to you, Sean, on a radio show. It elevates me to connect to a larger world than my own little one. That would be my answer. I like it. So you look at it as the world is elevating you. Yes. And the world is 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 happening around you which makes you a better person. And when you learn about forgiveness and when you learn about the way that people's culture impacts their decision-making, it's not all doom and gloom like you see on the news or read in books. Oh. That stuff oh, not exists at all. Just, like in, just like in America. I mean, there's homicides everywhere. But that's not an American culture thing. That's just yeah. evil people doing evil things. And I think that all like cultures, there are in every Yes, yes, yes. Have, you know, yeah. You know, Sean, you were talking about Iraq. So we were in Bulgaria, and we heard that there were refugees there. And I said to our guide, I said, I would like to go to the refugee camp. And they said, well, you know, uh, they're not going to talk to you. They're not going to. And they said, we can introduce you to some refugees from uh, from Iraq who are here. And, you know, you don't want to contact them. They're going to hate you. So we go to the area of Sofia, which is the capital of Bulgaria, go to the area where the refugees are, the Iraqi refugees are. And um, I go into, there was a little shop where they sold, you know, those red, I'm sure you saw those round breads, right? The, that are cooked in a in a in an oven, and I knew the word for bread in Arabic. It's hoops. So I walked into the store where there were four Iraqi men, and they had this oven, this bread oven, and all I, I knew one word in their language, and I walked in and I smiled and I said, hoops. They obviously knew I was American. There could not be four friendlier people on the face of this earth. They were going through the store. They were getting all the breads. They were giving us gifts. They wanted us to eat the bread. They wanted us to... But they elevated me. And here's the guide who's so small-minded. He's saying, oh, they're terrible people. They're... Well, what if that's not true? What if I just said hoops, and all of a sudden they're showering us with breads, and they're so excited? And that's how every moment in life is, challenging what you think is the other or someone that's an enemy or someone that it, it, it's just, what if it's all not true or bad people? I'm not talking about that, but what if all of these categories aren't true? That elevates me to try to go beyond that. Right. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I just hope that, just the ugliness and negativity and the ridiculousness. You know, my wife and I were sitting on the porch the other day talking about this. You know, they've had 135 homicides this year in in Charlotte. And that's just the ones that are reported on the Oof. news. Oof. You know, that's just the ones that are reported on the news. Oof. Most of them probably aren't even reported. We hear about Chicago, you know, and all the homicides in Chicago. And it's just at, at some point, what stops it? Because obviously the justice system isn't working. The culture isn't changing. But I look at, and I say that because I look at the way the military is. And the one in the military is they say, well, that's the way we've always done it. Oh, that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, 
You broke up. Say again. No, it was interesting. Just you're saying that. It, you're elevating me. Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm listening. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So when the military says this is the way we've always done it, you've squashed the growth. Yes. The growth is gone. It's the way we've always done it. Now, I don't think that there's one perfect way. I think there's always a way to evolve and do just a little bit better, 1% better. You know, they always say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, how but do you it know if broke, it's broken? But it is broke. That's right. How do, you know? how do you know if it's broken? Yes. What's the metric? But what if, okay, so what if, if you agree, we give your audience a challenge within the next 40. Are you, are you game for this? That we do a challenge? Yeah, let's do it. We have another okay. challenge on this show. I don't think. Okay. So here's the challenge that every person listening to your show within the next 48 hours has to have some kind of interaction from somebody with another culture, period. And it could be, Oh, cool. Okay? It could be online. It could be by phone. It could be in a store. It doesn't matter what it is. But within 48 hours, you have to encounter somebody. It could be a service person. You know, with your phone company, you call up the persons in Costa Rica. And you ask at least one question about that person's culture. And then you post it on social media or let them tell you, Sean, or somehow you communicate what it is that happened in your exchange with someone from another culture. Right on. I like it. I like that a lot. We definitely need to do that. That's a great challenge. And it, and it, there's, it, there's a way for growth there too. Okay. So, yes. You know, the, really the person that you speak to on a service call very often, you know, they're outsourced. So they're going to be in another country. Yeah. Oh yeah. India, usually, yep. Nepal, Tibet. Yeah, a, lo- a yep. lot now is Central America, you know, different places, right? Okay, yep. so you're probably frustrated because it's a service call, right? Elevate the moment. Yep. You're talking to someone. Do you think that that person's dream in life was to answer phones from the electricity company? No. So if you say to the person on the other end of the phone, hey, where are you from? I'm so interested in travel. Where are you from? And the person says, I'm from whatever country. And you say, wow, do you live in the capital city? Or ask one question. All of a sudden, it softens your exchange on a service call. And you're talking to another human who you ordinarily wouldn't be speaking to. That's the challenge. Mm. And then, and then, write about it. Instead of a social media post about your coffee or your pet, just say, I just spoke to somebody from da-da-da-da-da, and just tell whatever happened, or if nothing happened, that's the challenge. It's almost the end of the year. It's a good time to pose a challenge, I think, if you accept that. Love it. Will okay. you do it? I got you. Will you do it? I like will it. You yeah, do it all? Okay, yeah, so I, how would you I go about How would you go about will. doing it? How? Uh, I mean, you can pick any restaurant. You can go to a Mexican restaurant. You can go to a Chinese restaurant. You can go to any other restaurant. If, while you're picking up food, just ask them a couple questions. Yes. Yes. And, the and easiest how way to do you, it immediately. Uh, I, see, I didn't even think of that. When you're taking out food, just say, gee, I'm yep. really – what kind of – oh, forget what I would say. What kind of question would you ask, Sean? 
Well, I'd ask them, like, you know, are you originally from here? Like, where are you originally from? Where's your family originally from? Let's say they say, oh, we're from Tibet. Like, really, what's one interesting fact about Tibet that most people don't know? I love that. That's, there you go. See, you just, I told you you'd elevate me. You just elevated me. What's one <laughs> interesting <laughs> – you did. I'm elevated. Now I'm happy. But, yes, what's, that's a great thing. What's one interesting thing that people don't know about Tibet? Great. But then how will you yep. report it back? How will you share that thing that you learn? You could, you could write a blog. You, you could write a blog or you could just do a quick uh, social media post or do a Facebook Live on your own or do a YouTube okay. video on your own. Uh, I think that it would be super cool to do challenges like every, like every month, right? Like every month you have a challenge. What, it doesn't matter what the challenge is, but it, 12, 12 months of challenges. Like you have a challenge oh. once a month, you have to go out and go above and beyond and elevate a moment. You have to elevate I... one moment in your life somewhere, or you have to create a moment to be elevated. I am so down with that. That is really, really, yes, 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 is all I can say. Yeah, the whole idea of having. Like, like, like yeah. 2021, yeah. 2021 could be, could be the, moment, the moment of elevations or the, the elevation of moments or whatever you want to call it. So for you, as a travel blogger, that could be something that you could totally take on and say, I challenge you for once a month to you know, go to a local bakery or do something out of your comfort zone or right. And then talk and then blog about that transformational experience. I think that if you did that on your travel blog by like your third or fourth one, I think people would be overjoyed and want to share. And then you tell them, share with me what, 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 you know, this is the challenge for this month. Maybe it comes out of the first, maybe it comes out of the fifth, but you have an entire month to do it. And then send Wait, I'm, me. See, I'm, I'm taking your, notes on what you're saying. <laughs> So send me your um, elevation moment or the moment you elevated, and then in the next blog, I'll reference some of those. That way you got backlinks to SEO. So that backlink from the one blog to another to another, they can go, oh, well, let me see last month's blog. Click. It goes to last month's blog, and they can read kind of what that blog is about in that challenge. But then they can also read, maybe you include two um, testimonials of people who did that challenge in the new blog, then go about this blog, then put a new challenge into that blog, and th now you've got backlinks front and back, right? So okay, but yeah. but what if I'm going with your premise? What if every month it's a different challenge? It's not the same. In, in other words, if you right. say to people, "Human, yeah. we we human, we're a lazy species," okay? So the challenge for this month, let's say, we're almost at the end of the month, but the challenge for this month is you're going to talk to somebody within 48 hours from a different culture, and you're going to ask them a question, right? But then January's challenge can be all of them have have as the goal to elevate your life out of the you know, the, the kind of that's the way we've always done things that you were talking about. But what if each month you stimulate yeah. with a different with a, I, I think it's really great. Yep. I, I, I think it's really, really February, wonderful. February, you could create a moment for Valentine's Day because every month has something. St. Uh, Patrick's Day, April Fool's Day. April uh, Fool's Day could be a prank. I need to elevate a prank. Not like a uh, nasty prank where you cover somebody in flour and, you know, whatever. Right. But what's a prank? That you could play it that's like 
It's like the prank of all pranks. You know, it's got to be safe. Of- like you, gotta, you can create the rules. You could create the rules, Judith. You could create the rules. The prank of well, all you know, pranks. And, and so each month there's something. But I want to tell you something. Everything I write, everything I speak about is in sync with what you're saying. And you are built, your humanness, you are built with a mechanism that lets you know <clears throat> if indeed it is an elevating moment. And that way of knowing is the human heart. That yep. you know when you do something that is elevating, when you st- step out of the, the problems of your life and you listen to that person in a takeout store and you say, tell me one thing about Tibet. When you are listening to that person, you are paying complete attention. You're really hanging on that person's, wow, what's this interesting thing I'm going to learn? And it anchors you in the present. It anchors you in your very, very best self. It opens you up. It's like you can hear the Velcro of your heart going, you know, just opening up. And and that's an elevating moment. And I love the idea to keep challenging people. That's, that's why I write. You asked at the beginning, why? That's why. That's why I speak. That's why I write. That's why I teach. Everything I do is to try to help people, I love your word, elevate their lives, expand what, what is possible, and not have that because that's the way we've always thought or that's the way we've always done things. That would be so at the end, I'm telling you, the beginning, that's my answer to why you just nailed it. It has to do with the elevation. But again, this is an opinion. When you say, how do you elevate the world around you, it puts the focus on me. But if you say, how does the world elevate you, then the focus is on the world around you. And that's where I think the the focus really should be, is on, on people around you, the world around you, you know, not just focus on yourself. You talk, okay, I gave someone a challenge. There's a woman that I know who everything is always about. I went here and I did this and I did that. And I gave her a challenge. And I said, for 24 hours, don't use the word I. See if you could not use the word I. Mm-hmm. She couldn't do it. She could not do it for one minute. So then she started saying me, mine. And I said, no, that's all the same. It's not about I, me, yeah. or mine. You can't. You, so... You have to restructure your sentences so that yep. they're open. It's not just I this, I did this, I went there. And yep. it was so interesting. She struggled so badly to try to get through 24 hours without losing the word I. But you know what? It elevated her spirit to expand her universe be- yep. Be- yep. besides that one little letter, I, 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 that was leading her in the wrong direction in life. That's, that's my thinking. Love it. Love it. And I think that's a great way to end the show on that challenge, a great message. I think that if you had 12 moments of, of elevation or 12 elevated moments or challenges, 12, 12 challenges elevate your life, I think would be great. I think that's a great name what for if it. You do it. What if you do it with me? 
What if I never thought this was going to happen, but what if we make a commitment? You don't have to say yes now, and you could think about it as you retire from the military, but what if every month we blogged about it, we somehow checked in with each other and agreed on the challenge for that month, and what if we did it for 12 months? I'd love to do that. that. I think that would be that just warms my heart. I would love to do something like that. And then I'm going to make my wife do it too, so she can do it herself. So we have three people. We have three people that are. are and that I bet I can get my right husband. Well, I get my course. husband as four, and the that. Four. And that we put it out. One. I wonder, would your audience tell them to audience let Sean know? Would you be willing to yeah, join the in with this? Has to get out of this. Yeah, they gotta send, they gotta send me an email. Send me an email. Send everybody needs to send me an email. Sean S E A N at the Success Core C O R P S. Sean at the Success dot com, and let me know you're in on this challenge. I'm gonna post on on social media. I'm gonna do a Facebook Live. I'm gonna tag Judith in it. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it uh, like tomorrow when it's like during the day out. You know, we'll do something. I'll do it like a. I'll come up with something. I'm going to come up well, with we something. Have one for this, like, we have one for this month already. We have the challenge for this month. This month, it's in within, within right. the next 48 hours. You have to meet someone, encounter yep. verbally, in person, whatever, from another culture and yep. ask them one question. So we're covered for December yep. now. But I, I yep. would be totally game so to let's do start this. In let's. I, I, yes, I'm, I'm down with this. I'm in. Yes, absolutely. And I think, you know, you have your audience. We have ours. And everybody who's listening has their own audience. We could really make this happen, the challenge, the 2020-21 challenge. Yep, the 2021 challenge to have 12 elevated moments of your life. Once I, a month. Absolutely. Because every I, month has, has a holiday. You got, you got Memorial Day. Right, you've got oh, yeah. Fourth of July, you've got Christmas, Thanksgiving, and Halloween, and I mean, I think there's so much magic that you could create. You I know? I love it. I yes, let's do it. it okay, so you've accepted the I challenge. Love it. Okay, I've accepted the challenge. You think yep. your wife is going to say yes? Is she going to say yes? Oh, she has to say yes. Yeah, she's going to say she has to say yes because cause I'm doing okay. it and we're a team. And so if I said yes, then she has to do it. I wait, just my husband is yelling. Wait, wait, wait. My husband is yelling in from the other room. I'm in too. Okay, we have four. <laughs> we need at least. I, do you think it's too modest to say 400 or should we say 4,000? How many do we need to take the challenge uh, with us? Oh, I think we get 100 people easy. Oh, no, that's not enough. Yeah, I think I think we do a hundred people easy. I think we'll have more than that by like the fourth month. Everybody be in, and then you like Facebook Live it, and you do like everything. And I think there should be a deadline. So we will schedule another meeting in the first of the year, you and I, and we'll quarterback yes. this thing. And I, and I think it. that I, I can't tell you how fabulous it is. And if anybody, if anybody feels like I just got a new domain name linked to my website, I was telling Sean, if anybody wants to contact me for any reason, or you can just all do it through Sean, um, go to live to leave.com. L I V E T O L E A V E.com live to leave.com. And you certainly know how to contact Sean. Let's see if we can't get the ball rolling because, Sean, everybody's talking about how horrible 2020, uh, 2020 is, how terrible everything is. Mm-hmm. We, let's do the opposite, the elevation challenge, Challenge, okay? Yep. Oh, I love that. Elevate okay. the, the elevation challenge. I love it. I love it. 
All right. We even have a we have a name now. Sean, thank you so much for elevating <laughs> for elevating my date today. What can I tell you? Absolutely. This has been this has been glorious. This is amazing. <laughs> this is so cool. Okay. Likewise, so we're gonna I- schedule we're gonna schedule another meeting. We're gonna quarterback this thing and we're gonna have the twenty twenty one elevation challenge. I love it. Um so again, go to live to lead. Is that what it is? Leave, leave, as in bye bye, leave. L e a v, live to leave. No, l e l e a v e, live to leave. L e a v. I got you. I got you. Live to leave. Got it. Live to leave. The LinkedIn Facebook link is right there in the show notes. Click on that. Send her a friend request, letting her know that you listened to this episode of Life Transformation Radio. If any of this conversation has resonated with you, please get a hold of us, her or myself, and we will come to you throughout 2021 with an amazing challenge every single month to do. How could there be a better way to spend this time with you? Sean, I want to thank you from the bottom of my ticker to yours. (laughs) Sounds amazing. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest. Life Transformation Radio listener, that is the show for today. So as I close, I always say live your brand. Find opportunities every day to live out the core values that you hold deep in your heart. And I call this living your brand. So until next episode, live an amazing life.